0: Amen. Thank you, Angela. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. Verse 11 says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have as believers to come together yet again on this day, uh, this first day of the week, Father God, and to be able to come aside and to spend some time in your word, to spend some time meditating upon you, worshipping you. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege we have as believers to be able to take this time and know that when we are gathered together in your name, there are you in the midst, and we do pray that, Lord, you bless each and every one of us here present here today and those who are watching online, we pray the Father, that uh, you administer to us through your word, you challenge us by your word and encourage us by your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to have clarity of thought and simplicity of speech and be able, Father God, to share your word in a clear, decisive way that we might all glean something from it today for your glory. Bless now our time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, we come to a turning point in Romans chapter 6. Indeed, a turning point in the book of Romans For We now come to an application of what's been taught. Up till this point in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, there has been nothing but doctrine. In fact, in the first five chapters and half of the sixth chapter, what we've had is exposition and doctrine given to us and no application in the Word of God. The entire chapters have been about teaching. The reason for this is, as one commentator says, we cannot come to application and to practice to conduct and behavior until we have a clear understanding about the doctrine. And that's true because all of our practice, all of our behavior must be anchored in doctrine. Behave the way we behave because it's what God tells us to do. We act the way we act because it's the teaching of God's Word. Well, you and I don't do certain things because God's Word says we shouldn't. Uh, the Word of God, the doctrine of the Word of God, determines our behavior. And so far, we've simply been told the truth about ourselves. And now he calls upon us to apply that truth. The truth that has been teaching us, particularly in chapter 6 and verses 1 through 10, teaching us to this point that a believer is to live a life free from sin. Now, the first thing that's absolutely essential to our being delivered from sin is for us to realize that we're not to continue in sin, and if we're not going to continue in sin, then we need to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, as it says in verse 11, likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Nothing, therefore, can be more important for us at this point than we understand exactly what this 11th verse is talking about. What does it mean when it says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed under sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, firstly this morning, consider with me reckon defined, or a definition of reckon. It says, likewise, Reckon. So, in the same manner as I've been giving you this instruction in verses one through ten, he says, "Likewise, in the same manner, as that truth is true." I want you to understand that what we need to do is reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Now, reckon here is a translation of a Greek word which is found in the New Testament forty-one times, and in uh, Romans, it's nine, used nineteen times. It's translated various ways. You'll find it translated to count, to reckon, to impute, to account, to conclude, to think. And uh, it's all the same Greek word, but uh, for reasons of context, it's often translated differently. The different meaning of the word is given because the context warrants that use of that definition. But nevertheless, it's used 19 times in the Book of Romans. The basic idea of this word reckon here in verse 11 is to regard oneself as something. To consider yourself to be what you are. In other words, we've been told what we are in verses 1 through 10. Now likewise, we are to reckon, we are to consider ourselves to be exactly what we are in verses 1 through 10. To regard ourselves as indeed dead unto sin and alive under Christ in Romans chapter 3 and verse 28 we have this word used just give you a couple of examples of where the word is used in Romans 328 it says therefore we conclude same Greek word therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law and in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 it's translated now to him that worketh uh, sorry verse 3 for what saith the scripture Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. It says, we conclude, or we, uh, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Therefore, Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 could read, Likewise, conclude ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, or likewise, count yourselves to be dead unto sin. Reckon simply means that we are to believe what's been said in verses 1 through 10, and we're to apply it to our lives, to believe the truth that's taught. Where Paul asks the question, what shall we say, say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And off it goes. And we've been there for a number of weeks. What's been taught in verses 1 through 10, you and I are now called upon to believe and apply to our lives. We're called upon to simply believe what God has said about us. Believe that what God said about us to be true. It's an act of faith. You and I have to believe, verses 1 through 10, to be true. Believe that it's true in our lives. That you and I indeed are everything that God says of us, now that we're saved, it's true of us. One commentator said we are to know this this truth, that we are indeed dead to sin. And then we are to continually, second by second, moment by moment, hour after hour, day after day, we are to reckon it to be so. We are to believe it to be true in our lives. In In effect, what Paul is saying is don't ever lose sight of it. Don't doubt this truth. Don't let the devil say to you, you did not die back then when you got saved. For we did die. We were buried with him and raised with him. Look in verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us who were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized to his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. This is a fact. You and I have indeed been buried with him in baptism. We've died with him. When Christ died on Calvary, he died in our place, and we died with him. When he was buried and rose again, we were buried and rose again with him. God declares it to be true, and now we are to reckon that to be true in our lives. As I said, we're simply to believe what God says about sin and about us now that we're saved. Believe what he says when he says in verse 2 that we're dead to sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Therefore we don't have to live in sin. As verse 7 says, for he that is dead is free from sin. And our old nature has also been rendered ineffective. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not, serve sin. The truth is that we cannot sin unless we yield to the flesh. It's been rendered ineffective. We talked about all this. Sin no longer has control over us. Sin no longer can dominate our lives. It only has the power we give it. So the big question now is, since I believe the facts of redemption, I do believe the facts of freedom from sin, how do I make those facts of verses 1 through 10 work in my life daily? How do I achieve the victory that God wants me to have because of the truth of verses 1 through 10? Well, that's where this word reckon and where the next word, yield, which is verses 12 and following, are the key to applying the truths of verses 1 through 10. And we're going to see next time, we'll see the word yield, but today we want to have a look at this word Reckon. So Paul now tells us two things that you and I must reckon. Two things that we must believe and apply to our lives. So secondly note with me this morning that we must reckon ourselves dead to sin. Likewise reckon ye yourselves uh, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. There is something here that we must do for ourselves. There's something here that you and I must believe and must apply to our lives. Reckon ye is what's known as a present imperative. The imperative part of that present imperative is a command. So God is commanding you and commanding me to do something here. Reckon ye. We are to do something It means that we are to do the reckoning. It's a present command. The idea of present is that we are to keep on doing something. Literally, it is to be continually reckoning on this knowledge, moment by moment, day by day, you and I are to be reckoning this truth to be true. We are to continually, moment by moment, to be believing this to be true in our lives to believe it by faith and to keep on believing it daily by faith. The command to you and I here in Romans chapter 6 is that we're to continually reckon ourselves to be in the state of death to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's the idea of going on reckoning to keep on doing this it's something that must be done continually in our lives and we're to do it <coughs> Excuse me. Christ has died for our sin and we've seen that in Romans chapter one through five that Jesus Christ died for us he died in our place and he He was buried, and he rose again the third day, and that resurrection is a signal that he had victory over sin and over death and over the devil. And what Christ did at Calvary was Jesus Christ won the victory not only over sin, death, and the devil, but he won it for us. He has won the victory, and therefore, he has made it possible for you and I to have the victory. In fact, he has done everything necessary Everything that needs to be done for you and I to have the victory. Turn to first Peter, please A uh, second Peter, please. Second Peter and chapter one. Second <clears throat> Peter one two says this Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has given to us through Jesus Christ all things that pertain to life and godliness. The work of Christ on Calvary not only provided salvation for us, not only justification of Romans chapter 5, but in his death upon Calvary and his ultimate victory because of Calvary and his resurrection, what God has given to us through Jesus Christ is not only justification, but he's given us sanctification power. You and I can indeed live victorious Christian lives. He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. None of us is being shortchanged when it comes to the victorious Christian life. Every one of us can have victory over sin. Every one of us can live lives that are indeed, as it says here in verse 11, that are dead under sin and alive under Christ, under God through Jesus Christ. But now it's up to us to do our part. You see, you and I must reckon, believe ourselves to be dead to sin. Now, someone might say, you know, I don't feel dead to sin. In fact, I don't understand all this talk about dead to sin. I I, I don't get it. I I don't understand it. I I, I just don't feel that I'm dead to sin. And how could I have died with someone who died 2,000 years ago? Well, I want you to note with me here that Paul does not say, feel dead to sin. He doesn't say, likewise, feel yourselves to be dead indeed under sin. He says, reckon yourself, believe yourselves to be reckon, dead under sin. Not feel it. In fact, he doesn't even say, fully understand it. He doesn't say, likewise, fully understand this truth to be true. He simply said that you and I are to act upon the truth of God's word by faith. You and I are to claim it for ourselves. The point is that we're to believe it whether or not we understand it. To believe it whether or not we feel it. See, to reckon means to believe we are dead to sin because God says so. It's simply believing what God says is true. Now here's an illustration, or here is a, a comparison to our salvation. You see, when you and I first got saved, when you and I were confronted with the need for salvation, then what we had to do at that part was believe. Jesus Christ did it all. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all on Calvary. His blood was shed for you and me and our part in salvation is we have to believe. In fact, you know, when someone is counseled for salvation, often the counselor may say to the one who is struggling to be saved, they may say, now it isn't a matter of feeling, it's a matter of faith. Believe it, not feel it. And when you and I got saved, you and I were saved by grace through faith. We had to believe what God said was true even though we may not feel it or even understand it. We had to believe it. The amazing thing is this. When you and I got saved, we did not have a struggle believing God, did we? That moment of salvation, when the person who was talking to us about salvation said, just believe and thou shalt be saved, we believed and we were saved. But when somebody says, how do I get the victory over sin? And somebody says to you, just believe God's word. We say, you've got to be kidding me. It can't be as simple as that. Why not? You see, Christ did everything for my salvation at Calvary. And there's nothing I have to do to be saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I have to do nothing to be saved except to believe that what God says is true. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and the moment I believed I was saved. God says now, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed under sin. Believe it to be true. And we struggle with faith here when we didn't struggle with faith to be saved. A bit bizarre, isn't it? The heart of faith is the one to believe that Christ will save you. When you're in an unsafe state to believe that Christ died for you 2,000 years ago and that by faith in him he will save you, forgive your sins, and give you a home in heaven, that's the harder of faith of the two. Because you and I are believers. We actually do believe that God does things. We actually do believe that if we have faith in God, God will accomplish things. And yet we find it hard to believe that the means by which we have the victory, which has been talked about in verses 1 through 10, is by faith. We are to believe what the Bible says, that we died to sin at salvation, whether we feel it or not. Now, of course, the question that we simply ask ourselves is, if the Bible says we died to sin, why then do we sin? Well, it's because we fail by faith to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. See, we need to understand this. Reckoning is not claiming a promise, but it's acting upon a fact. We need to understand that when we sin, you and I are actually doing the abnormal, not the normal. Because you know, the normal Christian life is a victorious Christian life. That's the normal. When you and I sin, we're acting abnormally. See, the Lord does not say, I command you to be dead to sin. He says, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed under sin. You are dead. Believe it to be true. Verse 2, he said that, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now when we sin, it doesn't alter the fact that we are dead. We just forget we're dead. We forget that we've been delivered from the pig pen of the world and been elevated back to being a place of prominence, a place of relationship where we are the sons of God. And we've been clothed in his righteousness. And sometimes, you know, the old flesh wants you and I to go wallow again in the mud. And so we get ourselves down in the sin and in the mud. And the thing is, we're living abnormally. It's not the normal place where people live. That's where the unsaved live. That's not where the saved live. And every time you and I go and we wallow in the mud, then you and I are acting contrary to our nature. We are saved, we're born again, we're the children of God, clothed in his righteousness, and nature is one of righteousness. The normal Christian life is the victorious Christian life. The abnormal is for us to sin. So when temptation comes, we're to reckon ourselves to be dead, indeed, under sin, remind ourselves that we're dead to that sin and that we don't have to yield to it. If we remind ourselves daily that we are dead to sin, it would make a difference in our lives. Now, this is not self-psychology. It's not simply reminding ourselves of the fact that we are dead, just like remind ourselves, uh, rather it's remind ourselves that we're dead, just like reminding ourselves that we're saved. You know, this is not sitting down in you know, uh, some uh, self-help program whereby, you know, you're trying to positive think, the art of positive thinking, and you sit there and you're chanting, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sin. And if you say it often enough, then eventually it will happen. It's you and I, the same as when we got saved, we believed by faith, and that you and I believe daily we're saved by faith. If I was to ask you how you know you're saved, you would say, because I'm saved by grace through faith. It's the same here. You and I have victory by faith. Something, it's not something we persuade ourselves psychologically. It's a conclusion. It's a deduction. It's a truth. It's the inevitable result of verses 1 through 10. If you and I meditate on verses 1 through 10 in Romans chapter 6, then the inevitable result, the inevitable conclusion of that is verse 11. Remember that God has promised that you and I have a way of escape when we're tempted. Go to First Corinthians ten thirteen. First Corinthians ten thirteen. It says there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not tempt suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We don't have to sin. Because God's given us the victory. In order for us to have victory, we must also believe not only that we are dead to sin, but we must reckon ourselves to be alive under God. That's the third point this morning. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed under sin, but alive under God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's true that we are dead to sin. But God didn't leave it at that. You know, God didn't say, okay, I freed you from sin, now you're on your own. You say, by grace, through faith, you're dead to sin, now I leave you to yourself. That's not what God did. Believing that we're dead to sin is fine. But victory, or rather for victory to happen... You and I must also believe that we're alive under God. That's what he says in verse 11. Wrecking ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're alive unto God. And that phrase, alive unto God, means that you and I now can live for God. We can live to please Him. We can believe that we can live to please Him. We've got to believe it's true. You and I have to believe we can indeed live for God, that God has given to you and I all things that pertain to life and godliness, that you and I can live victorious lives, that you and I are indeed dead to sin, but we're alive under God, that God has made us alive, He's quickened us so that we might live for Him. The Apostle Paul puts it succinctly in Galatians 2.20, a verse we all know well, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless uh, uh, Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Note that. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead under sin. Nevertheless, I live. And remember, believe. Reckon yourself be alive unto God. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. He is the part of that living. It's not him that liveth. But Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, remember this flesh is the problem. The old man is dead, but the flesh is with us. Sin is ever present with us because this old flesh loves sin. So the life that I now live in this flesh, I live, why, how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith. Now, Romans 6.11 says the same thing in different words. It says but alive under God how? through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're alive under God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the empowering of Jesus Christ that allows you and I to live unto God, live for God. The word through there is the Greek word in, or en, and it's translated in, Jesus Christ. We're alive, Because we're in Christ. Remember this? Once we were in Adam, our federal head. Destined for Christ's eternity, we were wracked by sin. You and I were declared by God to be sinners because of our relationship to Adam. Condemned on our way to hell. But the moment you and I, by faith, believe in Jesus Christ, we were taken out from the rulership of Adam and placed under Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And you and I were transported into His dear kingdom, the kingdom of glory and light. You and I were given victory in Him. We're no longer in Adam. We no longer have to sin. We're in Christ. And now, because we're in Christ, you and I can live for God by the power of, that Christ has given to you and I at salvation. We are united Christ, we're joined to him. John fifteen five says that he is the vine and we are the branches. If any man abide in me, he shall bear fruit. We're to abide in him. And if we abide in him, you and I will be able to live for God. Because we're in Jesus Christ, we have the power. We have resurrection power. Available to you and I for victorious Christian living. The Lord gave to us also the indwelling Holy Spirit. To allow us to live free from sin and live for the Lord. So the Lord makes this declaration that we're no longer in Adam, we're in Christ. Christ. And because we're in Christ, we can live under God. And God then gave to you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower you and I to live for Him. We have the power to live for God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the instrumentality by which we have the power and the victory. And it's enacted in our lives daily by the Spirit of God. Look in Galatians, please. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, This I say then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As you and I walk in the power of the Spirit, we will not w- succumb to the flesh. We'll indeed have the victory. We'll live for God. By his death and his resurrection, Jesus Christ has made it possible for us to have the victory. And that salvation, in order for you and I to be empowered for that victory, he gave to us the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now think about how remarkable that is. You see, God not only saved us, and that's glorious, and that's wonderful. You and I have been justified. We've been delivered from the dominion of Adam and delivered into the Dominion of Christ, and you and I are now saved, born again, on our way to glory. And God says, what I want you to do is from glory to glory, I want you to be conformed to the image of Christ by the Spirit of God that works within you. And God says, listen, I want you to be sanctified, but what I'm going to do in order to enable you to be sanctified, I'm going to give you the indwelling Holy Spirit who will empower you to live for me. You have to believe that you're dead to sin. Believe that you can live unto God through Jesus Christ. I don't know whether that excites you, but it excites me. I don't have to, by my own strength, live this godly life, I don't have to strive in my own self to be godly. I have to believe myself to be dead under sin. I have to believe that I can live under God through Jesus Christ my Lord and I know I have the indwelling Holy Spirit who if it's given to me so that I might indeed live victorious for him. Now if we're to be free from sin as the Lord would have us then we must allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower us. Isn't that Ephesians 5.18? Be not drunken with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What do we be spirit-filled believers? The Spirit indwells us, but He wants to possess us, and He cannot possess us unless you and I surrender to His leading in our lives. You see, the practice of victory over sin does not come by trying harder, but by considering our position that we're new creatures in Christ and yielding ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see in verses 12 and following. For we truly reckon, if we're truly to believe ourselves to be dead to sin alive and alive unto God, then we must feed our hearts on the word of God. How do we get to this place? How do we get to the place whereby you and I actually believe that we're dead to sin, We're alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and how do we then tap into the power that's ours through the indwelling Holy Spirit? Well, we do that through the word of God. God's word must dwell richly in our hearts so that we might indeed have the victory, that we might indeed be all that God wants us to be, that we might indeed live godly lives. It says in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 18, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God. In Colossians, where a similar phrase is used, it talks about the word of God dwelling richly in our hearts. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, where it talks about that God's given to us all things that pertain to the life of godliness, He says, add to your faith knowledge. Because he says, uh, all things pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that saved us. You and I have this victory by faith as you and I meditate in the Word of God, as you spend time in the Word of God. Then you and I access the power that's ours through the Holy Spirit to live godly day by day. The Word of God will help us have the victory. Turn to Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. mentioned in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all the commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, and I shall have learned the righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all the riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word And you can read the whole of the psalm and he repeats that phraseology over and over again. You and I know verse 9 and verse 11 well. But how many of us actually know verse 1? Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his commandments and that seek him with a whole heart. They do also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. If you and I want the victory in our lives, then you and I need to, by faith, access the power that God's made available for us. How shall we cleanse our ways? By taking heed to this book. How shall I prevent myself from walking in iniquity? Take heed to this book. We need to guide, hide God's word in our hearts. And as we do, the Holy Spirit gains control of our thoughts and our hearts. And out of our hearts then will issue righteousness and victory. Now, one thing's for sure, that if you and I stop reading God's word, you and I will find it hard to have the victory. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For we are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, we shall, then shall we also appear with him in glory. We're to set our affections on things above, and not on the things of the earth for we are dead, and our life is hid with Christ in God. The closer we are to the Lord, the easier it is for us to say no to sin. The more we are in the Word, the more we are conformed to His image, and the more the Holy Spirit fills us, then the victory can be ours. It's been said that many accept the servitude of sin And all all along the cords have been broken. The ties to sin have been cut. You and I have been set free. You and I have been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been given the indwelling Holy Spirit. We've been given the word of God to, to cleanse us and to empower us. And the cords of sin have been cut. But how many times do you and I fall back into that life? Here in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, we have the walk of faith. Likewise, reckon, believe yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 10.38 puts it this way, the just shall live by faith. So here is the guiding principle in respect to sin. We need to know our present position to sin and to the life of Christ, And act on that knowledge. Count that thing to be true for me. One commentator said this, get up each morning, and in your prayers just acknowledge this truth again. And then when the temptation comes, act on that knowledge. Rely on the fact that you are dead to that sin. Believe it to be true that sin does not have dominion over us anymore. Now, this is not all that there is to victory. For we must also yield, as we're going to see next time. But today, we must believe, we must reckon that we are dead to sin and believe that we don't have to sin. Believe that we're alive under under God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Realize that we're alive Because of Jesus Christ. Believe that we can have the victory over sin by reckoning, by believing that we are dead to sin and yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this day for your word. We thank you, Father, for the truth of Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Lord, how wonderful it is to know that this matter of victory is not something we have to do in our own strength. It's not something we have to do in the flesh. Lord God, that we simply have to believe that we're dead to sin, believe that we're alive under Christ, under God through Christ Jesus. So the life that we now live, we live by the power of the Son of God, not by our own strength. Lord, help us to meditate upon your word, to read and study your word, that, Father, we, like the psalmist, might find your word as a light to our feet and a lamp to our path or way, and that, Lord God, our lives may indeed be guided by your word to your glory, to your victory, day by day. I commend in, your word to our hearts now this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.